of the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague from The Athletic, Stuart Mandel. Uh, we are taping Sunday morning. Uh, I just got back from Lincoln, Nebraska, where I saw a dud of a game where Oklahoma just absolutely blew out Nebraska after the Cornhuskers had like maybe five good minutes and then it fell apart. Stu, um, how would you rate what you saw on your TV yesterday? You know, a lot, a lot happened. There was a lot of entertaining moments like Appalachian States, Hail Mary, but I don't know that there was like a overwhelming number one, you know, this is the most important story. We need to talk about it right now. I have a question for you. So we're three weeks in. What is it? Is there a team that coming into the season, you never would have thought of as a playoff contender that you're now like, yeah, I could see that happening. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, this is too strong to say this, but like, cause I wasn't, I felt like Michigan was a top 10 team, but I feel a little, I feel a lot more bullish by the week and they haven't played anybody good yet. I, I would definitely put them in there. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say Oklahoma is, is that team, but like maybe, I mean, they were impressive yesterday. Dylan Gabriel's a good fit for this. I just don't know how good their defense really is because Nebraska has almost no playmakers. So if you ask me for one, I think I'm going to, I think I would say Michigan, but it sounds like you have somebody else in mind. Are you saying that coming into the season, you would never, ever, it would never have occurred to you that Michigan could be a playoff team? Well, here's where I was standing with it, Stu. Remember, my preseason pick to win the national title is Ohio State. It's hard for me to think that, like, if I'm picking Ohio State to win the win the national title, that there's going to be somebody else from the Big Ten that also would make the playoff because there's only four teams. Now it's possible we we'll see, you know, we've had the SEC, you know, have have two, but that, that's that was kind of my sticking point on it. All right, I'll give you two since I'm the one who thought of this question. First of all, to me, one of the the most surprising teams in the country so far is Washington who I remember we spent a lot of time last year, maybe toward the end of the year, just perplexed at how things went so wrong under Jimmy Lake. And I mean, they, they were struggling to do anything on offense. We, we both thought John Donovan was a weird hire as OC. Um, man, watching them, watching Michael Penix just shred Michigan State. They scored touchdowns on five of their first six possessions. He, can, he could do no wrong. Like... Uh, if you, come, you went into the season with Washington, you'd be like, well, I think Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. And, you know, they, they probably have some talent there still. Maybe they go to a bowl game. Now I'm like, why couldn't they win the Pac-12? Uh, why not them? Uh, if they're going to, if he's, because this isn't a one game thing. Three games in, he has 10 touchdowns, one interception. Um, they have a lot of weapons that I wasn't necessarily expecting to see. And they were always good on defense. That wasn't really the problem. Um, ZTF is back. People. He was kind of the breakout uh, player for them in the COVID season, but they only played four games that year. So, um, you know, I think the Pac-12, everybody loves to write them off, but like you think about it, they beat uh, the number 11 team, Michigan State. Oregon bounces back and beats the number 12 team, BYU. Washington State last week, yeah, yeah, whips them. them. 
Washington State last week went on the road and beat a Wisconsin team that was ranked. You know, Arizona, some- by the way, Arizona beat the best program in FCS, which people go at ah, North Dakota State. North Dakota State is good. North Dakota State would beat a lot of North Dakota State was favored in that game. And I think they would beat a, a bunch of power five teams. And so good for Arizona. They won that game. Obviously, they lost to Mississippi State, but they're much improved. Now, we don't want to talk about Arizona State because <laughs> they're a disaster. That's a mess. We don't and of course, USC, you know, I mean, watching them against Fresno State, it was I, I felt like every time he snapped the ball, somebody was going to break off a huge play. So you've got some teams there. Um, you've got an interesting race. And so Washington is in the mix and I know they haven't made it to the playoffs since 2016, that conference, but I could see it. The other one um, is less likely because of who's in their division, but at least they're, they look like they're back to being in contention and that's Penn state. You saw a lot of that Auburn game. I assume I did. I was in a uh, sports bar in Omaha with all our, all our um, big noon crew. And it was interesting to watch because You'd sit there and look and go, okay, I've talked to people at Penn State who love the young running backs they have. Right? Nicholas Singleton, it's like one of the comparisons is Adrian Peterson. The guys around him are really good. Now the quarterback play, I'm not I'm not all the way in, but but um, you know, one thing Auburn has is a lot of speed on defense, right? And it's down there, and we've seen this story before how how Auburn is kind of, you know, bumpering around and then they get it together and they knock somebody off. This wasn't even a close game, Stu. I mean, just, you know, we, we can, I feel like we can talk about Brian Harson maybe, you know, another day, maybe not too far in the future because I don't know how long he's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know how much longer he'll be the coach for us to talk about him, but okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're really terrible on offense. And, but I just, just to see um, what they look like, uh, I was really, really impressed. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know if I would go as far to say I think they're going to be a playoff team, but it's interesting because if you look, everybody in that division in the Big Ten, you seen the records. Rutgers is three and zero. You know, like they're all like almost everybody's undefeated. Maryland's three and zero. Ohio State's three and zero. You know, Michigan State's obviously not, but you know, you go through the list. Um, it's I I don't remember seeing it seeing anything like that like late into late into September. The Big Ten West, not so much. Uh, that that's a different story over there. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think, uh, look, Penn State, a couple mediocre seasons. And just, just, to, just to button that up, by the way, yeah. there, are, there are obviously seven teams in the Big Ten East. Six are 3-0. and oh. The only one is not is Michigan State, who, as you mentioned, lost at, at, in Seattle yesterday. Indiana's 3-0? and oh. Indiana is 3-0. and oh. They scuffled to beat Western Kentucky last yesterday. Um, was the last and for them, good. I'm good, glad to see that Michael Penix is doing well and Michael Penix's former team is doing well. Uh, the thing with Penn State is, you know, coming to the year, I was I was not so optimistic because I just felt like Sean Clifford is going to be Sean Clifford and we're not going to see much more than that. But he has now gone on the road twice uh, against Power 5 teams this year, led them to the, to the comeback win at Purdue. And then I, what I would say about him yesterday was, it's not like he was tearing it up, but you remember like the mistakes and the turnovers the last couple of years. He does, it seems like he's more comfortable. He's not pressing. And I think part of that is he's got more help. He's well, got Nick Singleton. Part, yeah. Yeah. And the other part of that, Stu, is, you know, talking to people there and pointing out the second year in the system. Right? Yeah. You know, so I think that helps, uh, you know, towards your point, five touchdowns, one pick. 
if he doesn't turn the ball over, you know, they're playing well on defense. I mean, you know how many you know what Nick Singleton's yards per carry is? Oh, I know he had two 50-yard carries yesterday. It is 11.1. And it's pretty amazing for a true – I mean, five-star or not. Like, I can remember Leonard Fournette coming in. I can remember Adrian Peterson coming in. And they didn't dominate right from week one. Even the most touted running backs take a little time to get used to the college level. That has not been the case with him. Uh, And this is what they needed. I mean, they went through that period where – they lost Ernie Brown and they, and, and uh, you know, obviously Noah Kane has transferred out. I mean, they had that bowl game against Memphis where they ran for like 300 something yards. And then one by one, they lost all of those guys. So um, he has replenished that room. Uh, it shows you the power of one really good recruiting class that he just had come in. So, yeah, I think I, obviously I still think I'm inclined to think that Ohio state and Michigan are uh, still like a half step to a full step ahead of them. But, I mean, they're going to be more of a factor than they have been the last couple of years for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, just to circle back on your Washington point, um, you know, we both have liked the Kellen, Kalen DeBoer hire a lot. I don't think a lot of people know much about him. Like, if, I'll be honest, when he was winning NAI national titles, I didn't know anything about Two Falls or him. I didn't really hear about him until he was the OC at Indiana and you talk to people in the big Tango, that guy does a really good job over there. It's like that guy, they didn't know how to pronounce his name. They didn't know who he was. And then obviously went back to, to Fresno and it did a really nice job there. And it is impressive, right? You know, like, again, I don't want to go too far over and say, Hey, they're going to, they're going to be a, I don't know if anybody's going to, going to be a real legit threat to make the playoff on that side of, on this side of the country. But he, you know, Michigan State was really bad defense last year. I think they were able to exploit a bunch of other stuff with it, too. The thing that's interesting, and just from, you know, I've heard a lot about some of the personnel on this team because of Chris Peterson and being around him, um, especially like, all right, they were young receivers. I think some of these young receivers have really blossomed in a hurry. I also think we just, because Michael Penix has been hurt so much, including all of last season, we kind of forgot that, oh, yeah, when he does play, he's really good. I mean, he was he was the main reason why Indiana had that, you know, really good season uh, in 2020. So, I mean, I don't know. We haven't really started doing Heisman lists yet, but I, if we did, I would definitely have him high on the list. Um, let me look this up real, real quick right now. He is he's number two in the country in passing yards per game, and he is – number 12 in passer rating one spot behind Stetson Bennett. So um, good for them. Doesn't it make you wonder, by the way, when you see a coach come in and just transform an offense like that, obviously Lincoln Riley has done it, but you know, given the star power he, he accumulated, that's not surprising. Then you look at a team like Texas A&M, like the coach has been there for five years. He's had plenty of time to recruit the guys he wants and they're terrible on offense. I mean, doesn't that speak a little bit to, have you know that that you've got to have the right OC and the right scheme, and, and if it, if you still can't move the ball, and you've been there for a while, you know, and you and, and well, we don't have enough players is not the excuse anymore. It might be time to scrap your playbook, right? Yeah, and I don't know, and I know he got asked. He being Jimbo got asked that specifically. I think Brent Zornemann is a local beat writer there had asked him, and Jimbo kind of 
you know, said the right things. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to let my ego stand in the way or something to the effect. I'm not going to let my ego stand in the way. What's the best thing for this team? You know, we evaluated all the time. I mean, they beat Miami. Um, I don't, you know, a win is a win. If you're, if you're where they were at that point, I, I mean, they did not do anything on offense to, to win that game. You know, it was like Max Johnson played better than what they've been, you know, getting from quarterback play. And I think that's not entirely shocking. He's, he's experienced and he's a tough kid and he's a, he's a smart kid. And I think all those things kind of factored in, I think they're going to have to play a lot better. Um, if they're going to hope to be more, if they're going to get anywhere near the top 25, you know, it's just, I, as I feel like I've said on here a bunch of times, like Miami does not have a lot of firepower and they were without, you know, probably they're, they're the best of a mediocre lot of receivers um, yesterday, you know, and, and you saw it, right? Like they ran the ball pretty well against AM, but they couldn't throw. And it's because the receivers are really, really average. And that's the biggest thing I think Mario Cristobal needs to fix roster wise. Um, they also committed about just about every self-inflicted wound you could possibly think of. Uh, and they also just caught a bad break. Like, Texas A&M muffs that that return at the end. If they recover that, I mean, right, they're, they're sitting pretty. Yard line, yeah, didn't didn't quite go their way, but yeah, the you know the field goal problems, his clock management was questionable. Problems, yeah. yeah, they had special teams problems. Do they muff because they they fumbled another punt, you know, or fumbled earlier in the game that you know after they get off the field? I think there was two two different situations where they got off the field and then A&M got the ball either. You know, they had a stopped them, and then all of a sudden there was a penalty, a 15-yard penalty on Miami, so that give, that gives them the first down. It's just like you can't do that stuff when you're when you're just not that talented. And right now they're not. Right. That I don't know if you saw this, but our 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 guru Matt Brown had a pretty amazing stat yesterday or last night, which is that Miami is the first team since at least 2000 to gain 27 first downs and not score a touchdown. <sighs> That is that is bad, especially if you have a guy that people are saying, you know, they think could be a first round quarterback. It's been a shaky start for Tyler Van Dyke. No, look, guys, they don't have a lot of lot of receivers, and it's coming. You know, Rambo was a really good player for them last year, yeah, and they they miss it because they don't have much. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing The Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. So I got a front row seat, Stu, for it's for Oklahoma, Nebraska. And I do want to circle back with you. Um, you were skeptical on Oklahoma. I think you had them seven and five. Do you are you having second thoughts after seeing them a little bit this year? Oh yeah. I already put out my statement on Twitter. I'm taking no questions, but I made I went ahead and told everybody I was wrong. Um, yeah, I, I think now I think Nebraska's terrible. So, you know, they I don't want to overreact too much, but clearly I mean, the concerns I had weren't even necessarily about the specific personnel. It's just such a 
huge, huge change to for Brent Venables to come in. Um, you know, really the first full coaching change they've had since Bob Stoops got the job way back when, because obviously he promoted Lincoln Riley. Um, I, under, I think I underestimated a couple things. One, I mean, Dylan Gabriel was really good at UCF. Um, I think because of the guy they lost, Caleb Williams, who's a little bit more hyped, you know, I maybe took for granted the impact Gabriel would have. He was really good against Nebraska. But more than that, you know, Oklahoma has struggled on defense for years and years and years. And I know Brent Venables is a great defensive coach, but you would think he would need at least a little time to build up the roster. But no, that looked like uh, they gave up a touchdown on the first drive and they didn't give up another one until the last drive. That looked like a Brent Venables defense that you've come to expect at Clemson. Um, well, who's, you know, were there certain guys on that defense that, that you were like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, didn't see that coming? Well, I mean, Danny Stutzman emerged before. I mean, he's a young linebacker who makes a lot of, you know, edge guy makes a lot of plays. Ethan Downs makes a lot of plays. Reggie Grimes. Like, I think what you're seeing is, is guys that are able to make a lot of negative plays, and I think that really helps, you know. Um, I don't look at it and say, because there, there were definitely early on, you know, Nebraska moved up and down the field and there was guys who were open and it was just like, oh, this is way different. And then um, you had the, the the run where Gabriel just, it, it just shows how bad a tackling team Nebraska is. Like, like we knew they did not have much, you know, much firepower, but man, they were just lost on, on defense. But I think, like you said, I, I don't want to go too far on, on how much better this defense is. They definitely look like they were playing fast though. Right. And so I'm interested to see what happens as they get in and face a lot better offenses. Um, but I mean, I, Nebraska I was wasn't terrible on offense. The first few games, it was other problems. And Casey Thompson finished 14 of 20 for 129 yards and got sacked four times. Um it's encouraging, if nothing else. Also, by the way, I was wrong on them. And then my preseason Big 12 title pick, Kansas State, went and lost to Tulane. So probably these standings are going to look a lot different than how I predicted them. But I, you're but not, it's there's a lot off. of contenders. Are What's you that? jumping off the K-State bandwagon? No, I'm not, actually. I, I think that was more... The interesting thing about Tulane is I feel like Willie Fritz has had them right on the cusp for years. In fact, they put a big scare into Oklahoma last year. Um, right. And then they went two and 10 and I don't, I wasn't paying close enough attention to tell you what went wrong there, but Michael Pratt is considered a sleeper uh, NFL draft prospect at quarterback. No, I'm not giving up on K-State. Okay. So now no, no, uh, no knock on Spencer Sanders or, or Dylan Gabriel. They're the, the best quarterback in that conference might be Jalen Daniels. Yes. Let's talk about the mighty Jayhawks. Oh, yeah. Like, so, so right. They go in, they whip a good Houston team, right? Beat them by 18 points. This is the first time they've been three and zero in 13 years. First time they've had back-to-back road wins in like 15 years. You and I are both big fans of Lance Leipold and have been since before he got to really since he was getting going in the Mac, but like, I think to see what they have been doing and then you say, okay, their quarterback is legit. Like he's as good as any quarterback in this league. Um, Is it too far? Is it, does it sound crazy to think they can contend for the big, big 12 title? Yeah. I won't go that far. You're going further than I am. I'm just saying I, I, what I see is, okay. Keep in mind, Kansas 
You just said first time 3 and 0 since 2009. That is also the last time they finished better than 3 and 9 in a season. Like I don't sometimes you forget just how bad it's been. Uh I think they're going to go to a bowl game and that might sound modest but when you've been 3 and 9, you know, anywhere between uh 1 and 11 and 3 and 9 for 13 straight years, that's a big deal. Jalen Daniels is legit, you're right. Um and it's not like he came in with I mean, he, he, I looked back, he, he flipped from middle Tennessee state to Kansas on signing day in 2019. Um, but he's good. I mean, watch, watching them against Houston, they have players, they have speed. Um, and they look like a, you know, like a big 12 football team, which they haven't for a long time. Uh, the, th- the crazy thing about Lance Leipold is he remember like Les miles got fired in the spring. So you know, it's always a challenge for, for a first year coach. They always, you know, they always feel like they're, they don't even have enough time. Right. Even if they get hired in November, he got hired in on April 30th. Um, obviously they struggled for much of last year, but then they beat Texas a little bit of encouraging. Yeah, they, and now they beat Texas. And they also, they almost beat West Virginia and somebody else, maybe K state. Maybe it was like they had, but they had two, two, like after that, I think they had back-to-back field goal losses. They really could have had a real good chance of winning three in a row to finish the season out. Want to hear a crazy stat? Let's have it. Who? So the, the the number one scoring team in the country right now, not surprising given they've they've played three absolute nobodies, is Michigan. Uh, number two team, James Madison, has only played two games. And there's sitting at number three, averaging 53 points a game, is Kansas. Yeah, and by the way, they've played two, two pretty good teams on the road, right? Now, the first – I forgot who they played – Week West one. Virginia beat West Virginia. No, no, they didn't. They didn't play. They played West Virginia last week on the road. Yeah. I'm saying I forgot who they played the first week was an FCS team, but but Houston's good. By the way, Houston Doug Belk is was the hottest defense coordinator in college football last year. Uh, they're not. Year, yeah, they they're clearly not as good as we thought they were going to be. Like they were. No, the, I'm just saying they're yeah. not. Like they're not doing this against terrible, you know, terrible teams. Uh, no, they're not. They're not. That 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 was a big big win so i think they're going to go to a bowl game um i don't know i don't think they're going to well i could could be wrong but yeah it's it's um i'm a little bummed that i i get it game day is going to tennessee florida part of me last night was holding out hope because it's three and oh kansas against three and oh duke in lawrence this week games on fs1 um maybe I, that's the rub still yeah it's probably the rub credit although the tennessee uh florida games on cbs uh, credit to Duke for also being three and zero, but I think that Kansas is a better three and zero. So if they win that game, they will already have won the most games in a season since two thousand nine. So mm-hmm. rock chalk. Hey, by the way, before we get out of the Big Twelve, one thing uh, pleasantly surprised if you're a Texas fan. I thought they would really struggle with uh, you know yesterday with UTSA. Um, yeah, me too. Harris. They won by three touchdowns. I now look going to Lubbock won't be easy, but I thought they might. I thought that game would be really close. I thought they might get knocked off. They didn't. Um, obviously, Bijan went wild, and he's he's fantastic. You know everything I've heard, and we reported this. We expect when Ewers to be back. You know sooner than a lot of other people, I guess, did. And if he's back for Oklahoma, which it sounds like there's a decent chance he will be. Um, and you get a, a Texas team that could be five and zero, right? They have to get through Lubbock, which won't be easy. But um, 
I guess there would be four. Yeah, no, they have to get the Lubbock and West Virginia, which West Virginia is not looking very good. But Texas, again, I, I we talked about them last week, and you wrote a nice story about them and the the momentum they have. I really thought there was a chance they could stub their toe, yeah, because. The old Texas, that's a, that's what they find a way to do. Well, yeah, I, I went as far as to pick UTSA. Um, that's the thing. That's what yesterday showed me is they're not. We're so used to years and years of Texas shooting itself in the foot, um, choking down the stretch, whatever you want to say. And, you know, that there was ha- it was tied at halftime and then they just ran away with it. And um, it was good to see Bijan have a big game like that. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't think it does seem like the, the you know, after the Alabama game, all these players coming into the interview room saying, see, there's a different culture now. We're not going to back. And you're like, OK, sure. That, that's what you expect guys to say. But I, I think that that's the case. I think it's not. Uh, we'll see. I don't want to go too far ahead of myself, but I don't think you're going to see a Tom Herman uh, or even last year. Sark's team obviously started well and then then then. Uh, cratered down the stretch um so we you know florida tennessee big game this week but i gotta say you know every year there's what we always jokingly refer to as a september heisman winner uh this year i believe we had a week one heisman winner and that was anthony richardson who since that first game where greg McElroy compared him to vince young and, and we had a whole discussion about that on here it's not been quite the same and he was very fortunate they were very fortunate to beat usf last night um, they, Anthony Richardson threw two picks. The second one was, uh, they got lucky in a lot of respects. So he throws this pick six in the end zone and South Florida appears to run it out 50 yards, but then it turns out he, the guy's foot was on the line. It's a touchback. Uh, USF had a chance to put the game in overtime. They're just kind of setting up for the field goal. And then their snapper snaps at 15 yards over the quarterback's head to move it back to a long field goal. And then on the field goal, the holder botched it. So there goes that Florida beats USF, which that would have been a huge upset. USF has been bad for, for several years. Doesn't give me a lot of faith in the Gators uh, heading to uh, Knoxville. Tennessee's been scoring at will this season. You know, that's, that's the thing about those week one games, right? They, they often turn out to be misleading. Uh, I don't think Florida is as good as we thought that night. And I don't think Utah, I mean, Utah's rebounded quite well from that game. And, and remember that game came down to an interception in the end zone. So if, if he doesn't do that, maybe we're speaking completely, maybe Florida's one and uh, uh, one and two, and we're speaking a lot differently about both those teams right now. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to, for our big noon show, I talked to an NFL scout, like the, the day I flew in there. So it was that Thursday. You know, like, well, the question is, can he be consistently accurate? That's what we need to see. Right now, that is a big question mark. Uh, he's still very young, uh, but zero touchdowns, four interceptions this year. That not good. Not, yeah, not good. Um, I would ask this. So when you looked at everything in total yesterday, I know I know it's like, okay, it was South Carolina, it was a big point spread. I'm not sure anybody has been more impressive than Georgia. Like, I, I feel like we just of need course. to say Stets. We just, we both are, I think we both think Stetson Bennett's really good and has been underrated for a bit. Um, he's just really good, really, really good. And he's fitting the offense. And, and um, I just feel like because to me, they have been the most impressive team in the country. And it's again, I don't think there's a close a, second. No, I don't think there is either. I think when you look at it, the way their schedule sets up, 
Um, and after we just talked about, you know, Anthony Richardson and how they, you know, how he is a big work in progress and struggled in the passing game. You look at their schedule, man. It's like, unless Will Levis plays out of his mind and, and you know, Kentucky's pretty good and maybe we'll get have Rodriguez back by that point. But like, I don't see anybody touching them or getting close the way they're just, just absolutely bludgeoning people in the regular season. Their offense. So last year, the story of Georgia was obviously the defense. Uh, and it's still good, but their offense is so fun to watch now. I think, you know, Todd Monk has been there. And it's still good. They've given up 10 points in three games. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He did nothing. nothing. (laughs) But their offense is unstoppable. And I'm going to, I'm going to say something that might sound crazy, but I want to see if you think it's not so crazy. Is it possible that the best player in the country this year at any position is Brock Bowers? I mean, it's possible. I don't know if I would agree with it, but like, can I make my case? Yeah, please do. Okay. Obviously it's hard for, it It sounds crazy to say that about a tight end, but this guy is more than a tight end. He had three touchdowns against South Carolina and there were three different ways. They used him as a, basically a running back on an end around on a reverse. And he scored, he, they threw a, a, you know, like a, a back corner end zone fade to him where you, that you would see, you know, that you would expect to like a six, five receiver to do this, right. Where he, it's a jump ball. You got to jump up and get it. And then you got to keep one foot in bounds. And then there was just like a, a basic pass over the middle. He broke for 78 yards. Like what tight end breaks a 78 yard touchdown. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing that reminds me a little of, and this is not the best comparison, but it reminded me a little bit of Keith Jackson when Keith, and this is before you yeah. when Keith Jackson was at Oklahoma. Obviously, they weren't. It wasn't like Mike Leach air raid. They weren't throwing it all over the place. But he would hit tons of big plays, and they did a lot of funky stuff with him to exploit his athleticism. And again, they're 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 different players, but it's like they are doing some really creative stuff to take advantage of him. And he's their best skill guy of a good group. It's it's impressive. Um, and again, getting back to the defense, like I'm watching that, thinking, man, you know, Spencer Rattler did. You know, like, I don't know. He's Maybe not the really, savior they were hoping for. No, he's he's really struggling. He's looking like the Spencer Rattler from what we saw last year. Yes, he is. Uh, but again, I mean, I think, I mean, the fact that Oregon, right? Remember, we came out after that game. We came on here and you're like, and you're like, yeah, Georgia was impressive. But man, I'm really worried about Oregon. And then they went out and, and Bo Nix played great and they they ran away from a, a good BYU team. Like you're starting to realize like, oh, that's just what Georgia is going to do to people this year. All right, real quick. Uh, I meant to ask you when you were talking about the Nebraska Oklahoma game you're at. Um, I, we talked, we focused on OU and understandably so, but seeing it up close, how did Nebraska get this bad? I think it's really in the details. You get a clearer picture from talking to coaches there of, of how wildly disorganized the Scott Frost tenure was, right? I mean, for Mickey Joseph to be giving the staff schedules that they've really never had before, and even like if you look at it, the first one of the first lines it says is in six thirty in office. Like you have to say in office. And I was like, well, there were people who were showing up at like six forty, six fifty, fifty nine for a seven o'clock meeting kind of thing, and you know them not not doing live tackling hardly ever. Um, like he did that at practice Tuesday and Wednesday. That was probably the first time that Nebraska had live tackling at practice in a long, long time. And 
You're not. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you ever do live? To, like, what's the reasoning there? You know, one of the things that uh, Mickey Joseph made the point he was like, yeah, they're they're tackling the you know the donut when it's rolling. He's like, the donut doesn't have a doesn't can't give you a stiff arm. The donut, yeah. you know, it doesn't have big thighs that are going to like you know knock you back. Um, and I think the like you're not fixing that like in a week by doing live time like they were so bad like this you know they can do all that stuff for weeks and it may not get sorted out so i think there's that piece of it so it's the disorganization i think the other thing and i mentioned this on our big noon show is you would you now hear a lot of stories of how impulsive scott frost was he would jump in at critical moments in games and and call for plays that they hadn't even repped much and i think that was an issue. And then the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things also is just listening to the wrong people, listening to people who were giving him advice. And he's getting a lot of bad advice from a couple of buddies from his time, you know, from his old, old Nebraska buddies. And it just was such a mess. And I think the biggest, you know, like it comes back to that disorganization. Like you had a team, you know, if you think about it this way, when Scott Frost got the UCF job, because you could say, how could this guy have been so good at UCF? And so bad at Nebraska, his alma mater. And I think one of the probably ways to look at it is when he was at UCF, he took over from George O'Leary. George O'Leary was like the taskmaster, you know, kind of, you know, if you honestly kind of an asshole and how he ran things. And there was probably when when Frost staff came in, it was loose, more players, coach players responded because they kind of had the reins pulled off them here. You know, they they took over a situation that was already loose and sloppy, and it it was like they they weren't going to be able to do it the other way. And I think it became more loose and sloppy, and that's what you've seen. And their margin for error is not very good. The roster is not good. They have not recruited well at all. Um, and so these are you know these are these are big issues, right? And I don't know. I'm not saying that whoever takes over, a, a, you know, next year. Is going to have like a the rebuild that you know you had at Kansas, but there are big issues there, real big issues. Yep, they're going to need their own. We talked about it last week. They're going to need their own Lance Leipold or or maybe Matt Campbell. Maybe, 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 maybe will be. Leipold. Let's not steal away Kansas's coach just yet. Um, yeah, they need somebody who's going to be real detail oriented. You know, has a very um, solid reliable plan that they've instilled before and scott frost it's going to go down as one of the one of the truly I mean, strangest hires i mean to recent. give you an example they go to they go to ireland for that game against northwestern and it's like there's a staff meeting and, and the head coach doesn't make it what you know yeah so did this did the head coach have too much guinness the night before what happened there <laughs> i don't i don't know why he didn't make it but 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 that's not setting a good tone going into your first game of the, the first game of the season, especially when everybody knows you're on the hot seat. If you, if I had to give you a guess, uh, who will be the next Power Five head coach to go? And I'm going to give you a few choices. Harson, we mentioned him earlier, mm-hmm. and there's a, and then Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. They got uh, steamrolled by Ole Miss. Not that that's entirely surprising, but they just. They get worse and worse by the year. Yeah, I I suspect it actually might be Jeff Collins. Like, there's a lot of heat on him. There's also a lot of heat on his on his AD Todd Stansberry. I would not be surprised at all if both were gone in the not too distant future. 
Um, I don't, I'd be very shocked if, if, if Brian Harson made it through this year also. Um, but I just think, you know, they may pull the plug on Jeff Collins sooner than they pull it on Harson. Um, he's been there a little while longer. Look, the teams they've played so far are not like, I don't know. I mean, you look at it as like they got the Clemson game felt like it was closer than 41 to 10. I was just like, looked at the box, you know, like they were hanging around for a while. They didn't look great doing it. They were hanging right. around. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, you know, cause they, in, in the case of tech, they don't have a bye week for another like three weeks. Usually coaching changes happen before bye weeks, but obviously that didn't happen in Nebraska. I think there was different issues in Nebraska than there are at certainly at Georgia tech. But my guess is that one might be, the next one to go on the at least on the power five level all right real quick let's finish with some shout outs okay you may have seen this but a really sad story at clemson this week brian brise their star defensive end lost his younger sister to cancer shout out to louisiana tech who came to town and every and handed them handed Dabo swinney a box every single player on louisiana tech's team wrote a letter to them to him um Dabo said I'm a Sonny Cumbie fan for life after they did that what a what a classy move by Louisiana Tech and then on a lighter note shout out to any Iowa fans who stayed till the bitter end of their game against Nevada that was delayed three different times for a total of four hours the game kicked off at 6 30 central and ended at 1 39 a.m if you stayed all the way to the end of it Hats off to you, Iowa fans. Stu, very well done. I love the Sunny Cumbie and, and, and uh, La Tech shout out. Um, I would give a shout out actually to a coach and I both know pretty well from his time at Stanford, um, Mike Bloomgren. He mm-hmm. has had a rough rebuild at Rice. He got a really nice win yesterday over a Louisiana program that had given people all sorts of problems. And I think you know, look, Bloomgren's been really missed at Stanford quite a bit. Um, you know, he was such a good offensive line coach and so good in the run game. And that was kind of their – that became their really uh, – their identity at Stanford. And like we said, he's been missed. Um, I thought this was a really good win for the Rice Owls. Um, sorry, I think Louisiana had some kind of – what was the streak? Louisiana went in with the longest winning streak in the country. They Last year they lost their opener to Texas and then won – the rest of their games uh, to finish 13 so and four. one. So, so they were four. on a 15 game winning streak. And yes, I, I agree with you. I would not have expected rice to be the team that ended and do it. it handily 33, yeah. 21. So good shout out to the rice. Owl. That that brings Mike Bloom, Bloomgren's record at uh, rice to 13 and 32. So he's still got some, some climbing out to do. Um, but that certainly is the kind of win that should build you some momentum. They're also going people, you know, this, this seemed crazy at the time to me and still is, but they're going to the AAC next year. So, um, so it'll be a good time for them to have kind of a breakthrough season. So great shout out. So hey, random, randomly, by the yeah. way, this is like a behind the, I don't know if this is for the podcast or not, but like I'm sitting in our green room before our show and the boss walks in and it was one of, it was one of the first times. Cause I've like, you know, obviously we're in this, we're around, former legendary players, but I don't think I'd ever been around him. And just like when I was growing up, he was a huge deal um, in my era, just of 
you know, when Oklahoma was rolling and everything and just kind of like him walking in, it was funny. Like Rob Stone was like, Hey, he's walking with a Lululemon bag. <laughs> Times have changed kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but um, it was interesting. Cause like, just to hear his, you know, him talk about a lot of different things from Oklahoma. Oh, I mean, he had, only had like 30 surgeries because of his, you know, from his playing career and everything like that. But, um, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it was like, at one point I'm just like, wow, this is the boss, you know, kind of thing where, I'm not sure how many college football players from that era would kind of connect with me like that, where I was just like, oh, there's a little bit of aura here. Whereas, you know, I mean, certainly we've been around probably guys who are, quote, bigger stars. But for whatever reason, that one was like kind of gave me pause for a second. Where will you and the crew be heading this week? We have a 3-0 versus 3-0. It is Maryland going to Michigan. Um, I bet it will be an interesting trip for Urban Meyer. Um, but it, it is going to be fun to see the Wolverines. This is a good test. There's, a, you know, look, Maryland's been very good on offense. They got a lot of firepower. I'm excited to get to Ann Arbor. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a fun trip. I saw the end of the Maryland SMU game. They survived SMU. I'm glad Michigan is finally playing a real football team so we can get a better sense of, of, of who they are. And then of course, you know, chance for Maryland to, to show that they're for real. So have fun with that one. We will be back on Wednesday. Send your questions to the audible pod at gmail.com because we always go mailbag there and we'll see you next time.